Film news. What? We haven't even started. We're on film news. Deal yes, with I it, do. Yeah. Hello and welcome. Sure, but I'll do it while talking about film news. We'll sync it up. Okay. <laughs> Hello and welcome In to recent the news, Sound of Vision podcast. Be quiet, James. Has recently complained about how the spirit of has not allowed her in, even though her tweet was not allowed for the film to start. There's other stuff that happens too. So may we start? Right, best episode. This is our noise album. Well, we just got two done in one. That's pretty... Official. Right, great. No. Okay, no, Jay, you still have your opinions on the film. I'll go to the second bit. Oh, I don't like Three, it. two, one, like it. go. <laughs> okay. okay. What was your film news, James? I couldn't hear you because I was talking. What were you talking about? I couldn't hear you because of my film news. Well, I was introducing the film. What were you saying? The thing is, this doesn't I was talking about the episodes. <laughs> it, it's, it's a really straightforward film and uh, not experimental or is it well okay there, there might be a bit more to it but um or is Wait, are we on that film are we on the film In no recent... no i <laughs> you're right yeah just just let me have this breakdown whilst you go on and, and sync up every bit of dialogue <laughs> um... no 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 please james you speak <laughs> and i'll try not to interrupt you Okay. Well, I think you should actually redo the intro. Oh, they've heard it enough times. They know which ones it is. No, they know it's who specific, are the ones. isn't it? It's it's specific to the film. I have to say it so that they know what we're talking about. Oh, um, that means you'd be quiet. Today we'll be talking about Lovers Rock. This is a film directed by Steve McQueen. It centres around the party that takes place one night in London. Uh, it takes place over the course of uh, the whole evening and stretches on into the next morning. And uh, we center on many different characters, some of whom are good, bad, and their interactions. And many threats take place throughout the night. Stuff goes wrong, but stuff also goes well. Um, it's a very self-contained film, but I think it's also very beautiful. And uh, James, what's the... been going on in... Oh, 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 oh I, I just wanted to mention it was part of the Small Axe um, TV film anthology series. So, yeah, yeah. but but okay. that's that's sort of irrelevant. I, no, no, it's, no, it's not. But no, no, I it's not. I'm defending that. myself now. It's not. I forgot to say. Um, I got yeah. It's part of Small Axe, Steve McQueen's um, anthology series. Is it is they a is they a series of films or is they a series of uh, short films or TV specials? They're or TV episodes? films. They're TV films. What that's, is a TV that's, movie? That's my opinion on it. It's a TV movie, just a shorter movie. No, it's just a film made for TV. There we go. Oh, there we go. Okay. What do we mean by made for TV? It means it's not meant to have a cinematic release or not meant to be put on a streaming service. It's meant to broadcast for the first time on television. There we what go. What do you mean? Let's have the film. I hear you there, Jay. But are you considering that movie, TV, made for just social constructs? You know, subjective human interpretation that we use to understand this crazy, crazy, fabricated, synthetic world. I'm sorry, I heard you like, argue about a definition. I just had to, you know, all my years of pretentious philosophy training came in i'm very tired yeah, i'm sorry don't don't about like the bring economic up. circumstances so how many of you have heard of batgirl <laughs> yeah. no um, I, Batman's coming at me. oh i never got to say my yeah okay i'll i'll stop now but i'll spring it on you at any point Okay, in film news, the film Zola, which is based on a viral tweet from um, Zola, has uh, recently been nominated. Zola, no. She's mainly just a Twitter thing. I think she's also a. I just want to check what it is because I don't want to get mixed. I believe uh, she's a semi famous. I want to get this right because it could be offensive if I get it wrong. Um, Are we talking about the film? Yeah, yeah, the film, but it's based on a person called Zola. Oh, is it? And she's already of some worth for... I think she's a yeah, sex worker who had a um, semi-viral tweet, or like the first real proper thread tweet. Oh, um, yeah, it looks good. 
And it got turned yeah, into a film? It was um, playing at uh, Sundance. Not Sundance. Was it? No, Raindance over here. Um, and it's playing in a few independent cinemas and I missed it. And I really yeah. regret that now because it looks really good fun. Yeah. Um, but it's for this um, spirit, for the... Um, so fucking hell. Oh, my God. I'm so tired. For this... Oh, fuck, fuck, fucking hell. Anyway. Um, <laughs> you okay? Yeah, yeah. It's been nominated for about seven awards at Spirits Awards, which is basically... You know, the Oscars, but it will include a few A24 films and the entire things would be just fucking jabs about the fact they're not the Oscars. Um, anyway, um, and Zola herself tweeted, I think it's hilarious Zola is up for seven awards and no one's thought to invite me or include me in, she made that in all caps, the writing award category, as if the film, as if there wouldn't have been a film and a script to write if I didn't um, write it, the most of any film this year and any A24 film has ever made, BT dub. You know, and I think she added just for few things. I think she said, um, you I know, agree she's with her, James. I depend. Um, I think she says her beef is only with A24, not the creators or the not the award shows and not uh, not the creators and stuff. I think she's talked about how maybe it feels annoying that everyone talks about her experience in like not including her, but then she also includes I am the moment. So it's like, I see some of her grief, but some of it also feels a bit, like not being included at the, you know, not being invited. I, I get that, I think that's a bit shit. When she says I'm not included in the writing category or something, um, and the write award category, it depends what she means. Uh, I mean, she didn't, it seems to come from a misunderstanding of how awards work. You know what I mean? Like at the Oscars, you can win a screenplay for best adaptive work, but it's not like the writer of that book, will, you know, the writer of that book or play or whatever will win it. I can understand being credited for it, but I think it's a bit silly for her to be like, right, this screenplay was made. I wrote the tweet it was based on. I should also get the Spirit Award or Oscar award. It seems a bit to misunderstand. It's a bit isn't it? A bit. I mean, I... I, I worry that maybe we're not getting, getting the full story. I think if she was to say something to the effect of which, who knows, maybe this is partly where the anger's coming. I haven't seen the film. Uh, I don't think any of us has, so I will admit we're all coming from a bit of arrogance and not arrogance, ignorance. Um, if she was like saying like, you know how like Charlie Kaufman is the only guy who wrote Eternal Sunshine, but him and two other artists came up with the general... Um, story that came from an art project they did so include i think if she was to say something like how the hell it doesn't say story by zoella or like based on a tweet by zo zoella zola whatever it's called i think Wait, that can we be, just stick with zoella it's funnier i'll just call it zizi zizi, zizi. <laughs> i don't know words are not my forte <laughs> um i've got a bit of news um i'm, I'm sure uh, you you've both in boyhood Richard Linklater's yep. Boyhood. Boyhood 2? No, 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 no. I've seen Boy. Oh, okay. Um, Richard and I've Linklater seen... Um... Did... No, never mind. No, he, he did Boyhood over 12 years. Um, and everyone thought, well, that's cool. He filmed that over 12 years. Um, I don't know whether you've heard, but Richard Linklater has started a new project called... Uh, Merrily We Roll Along, which is based on a musical by Stephen Sondheim, I believe. Um, and it's been revealed that that's going to be shooting for 20 years. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Beanie Feldstein is in that. Um, I don't know the other cast. Beanie Feldstein. Oh, she was doing the humans. Stuff, but um, I can't remember off the top of my head who it is, but yes, that's he's planning to make a film over 20 years. That is crazy. Absolutely. Filmmaking really has entered the top 10 film conditions you wouldn't believe. We really <laughs> just have hit that point of like of filmmaking. It's just like, well, you won't believe this man, or like, you know, or just like, well, that's crazy. We really listened to filmmaking has really entered the world that's so quirky stage, hasn't it? As a medium, yeah, yeah, yeah it's uh, other news. Uh, Nightmare Alley's getting a, a black and white re release. It's it is that 
Oh, really? Well, that is so what quirky. On earth, what on earth is going on? Why are you doing that? I mean, Mad Max. One word, my uh, friend. Parasite, all right then. But Nightmare Alley, scoop de doop no thanks. Get out of here. One word, my friend, one reason for all of this. Do I really need to see capitalism? Nah. Do you really need to see what, Arthur? Do I really need to see Bradley Cooper not finishing his eggs, but now in black and white? Do I really need to see him get... I haven't seen the film, don't spoil it. Oh, now you know he doesn't finish his eggs. What is even the point of going on now that that's been ruined for me? Mm. Well, I don't know. It's I must a bit say like it's... a tragedy in a way. Yeah. You know what's going to happen. A tragedy yeah. of Macbeth, but uh, in colour. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> and they're oh, going to do no. a colour re- release. Imagine <laughs> they start doing that, colour releases for black and white films. Well, they, they did they that do with... That. Uh, They've done first version of um, Miracle. Weird. The first, the first version of it. What's the James Stewart one? It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. Yes, but that's oh. besides the point. Uh, what was it called? Ah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, that was right. That was, that was pretty. Oh, good. yeah, I remember the film, The Bishop's Wife. That was basically the Gary Crant ripoff. Of, but it's a wonderful life. Gary Cinephile. Did I say leave me alone? Okay, I'm so tired. Yeah. Well, isn't it a shame how all of culture has just become reminiscent of previous culture? So we need that. Here we say like Gary Grant name correctly, or we die. Mate. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I'm not going to say it at all. Carrie but if Grant. you say it three times, he'll show up. <laughs> if you say it three times, Hitchcock will show up and make weird comments about any women he sees in the room. Hello, my name is Carrie Grant. <laughs> That's my Carrie Grant impression. Pretty Nowadays, good, men are no longer men. They simply go on Twitter and their video games instead of being stuck in a bizarre mystery that leaves them into spiralling obsession. The one true love. Here's my Jimmy Stewart. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> <laughs> Madeline. Here's my, Jimmy, here's my Jimmy Stewart. After it's one full life where he loses the money. Where's the money? Where's the money, you fat fuck? Where's the money? Oh, Stay down. Stay the down. The side of Jimmy Stewart. Not the, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh. oh Mitch. Mitch. <laughs> Do you want to see my cube? Mitch, please. Mitch, no, Madeline. Madeline. Me, <laughs> I heard um, I remember one of my. Rock. Wait, wait, I'll just get to this. This is actually funny. I remember my my head teacher in my first school at one point was a film Ooh. teacher as well. So I remember one time she just mentioned Jane, uh, James Stewart, and she just instantly went Madeline, and that's always been in my head. Jay, what movie impressions can you do? Um, I, I, I think I can do David Burns thank you quite well what's that he, when in Stop Making Sense a couple of times once I've finished the song he just goes thank you thank you <laughs> that thank sounds you. like him I don't know what he sounds like oh shit did I, ever like tell you the st- did I ever tell you the story about my um, Zack Snyder impression can we do Lovers Rock <laughs> No, this is actually quite good. I mean, to be fair, I said let's do Lovers Rock, and then I carried on waffling. Uh, I'll really just just take it away. I'll, I'll just get this and I'll be done. Mute him. <laughs> Wait, it's a good story. Mute him. <laughs> or don't. We don't have to mute him. Um, uh, anyway, so today we'll be talking about Lovers Rock. Actually, didn't I do this already? Do it again. Yeah, you did it, and then we went into the news. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah. Anyway, well, today, tonight, anytime. I don't know. I don't want to start it like that. Um, <laughs> hello. <laughs> Started with a Jimmy Stewart. Welcome. 
Can you do it? What, do it in his voice? Oh, <laughs> I didn't think I was that good. Hello, I can't do it. Um, oh. <laughs> I'm just going Minecraft villager. Um, no, I won't, I, I won't be able to get through it. Um, hello, and welcome to this uh, episode of the Sound of Vision podcast. Today we'll be talking about Steve McQueen's Lover's Rock, which is the first episode in his um, film no, anthology not. No, it's not. No, it's not. Second. Is it episode one? No, I'm not having Okay, first or second, but I'm going to double check that. Um, anyway, it is an episode in the anthology series of films slash TV, made for TV movies. Uh, and it all focuses on a party that takes place one night um, with a whole cast of characters um, in the black British um, community, um, mainly focused on them. And yes, it's pretty self-contained within that whole, within this house where the party takes place. Uh, but there are some scenes outside of it. But for the most part, it's a, you know, a bottle episode, if you will. Um, so yes, uh, Jay, what did you think? I loved it. Again, I, I saw it in the summer and I thought, Hey, yeah, that was, that was great. And then I watched it again and thought, yep, even better. Mm. Yeah. What would you say is the strongest point about it? I love, I did love how self-contained it was and how it did all take place in one house mostly and i adored the sense of community that was there and conveyed through the music the cinematography the direction all of it it was just a very warm film it despite you didn't get some... bored at all. sorry you didn't get bored at all no no not at all hmm. did you no, I'm asking that. Oh, no, no, I didn't. And James, what about you? Well, I might want to add on to Jay's last comment about how it feels so self-contained. I also like what feels good about it, about how it feels very British in the sense of like, tell me a story about, you know, a night of some people at a party. Like you hear that and, you, you know, you can imagine the American film of like characters struggling to get there, like his inspirational music. Like, Tonight is the night where everything matters. You know what I mean? I like how how just casual it was. It did very much feel like it really made you feel like you were a party. <laughs> uh, it really made mm. you the feel camera. like you're at a party. Uh, yeah, yeah, the camera work. I just kind of liked how I don't know. Like generally speaking, I mean, I feel like personally, if some if you're giving me a film where the concept is it's just about a day with friends or oh it's just about a party, I will prefer the more you presenting it like that instead of the director trying to present it as the biggest thing ever. And like, I think definitely this film connects to wider issues. I think it definitely connects itself to community. It definitely connects itself, you know, to racism. I think there's some kind of threat always there. You know, I think there is always, the film in some ways, I think doesn't want to hint towards, you know, for black people, well, I mean, even now, but I mean, probably especially in 80s kind of Britain, there's maybe even some, what, what did oh. I do? What, wait, what did he do? Nothing. I'm literally thinking about your James Stewart. My what? I'm thinking about Arthur's James Stewart impression. And it's, <laughs> I'm it's sorry. really tickled me. Arthur did what you, Jay? Keep going, I'm sorry. Uh, it was an inappropriate time to laugh, too. But like, you know, how, yeah, I guess, I mean, I feel a bit like a prat whenever I make these statements because it's sort of like, I feel like a lot of people already know this, especially the people who I'm talking about. But, you know, I feel like the film is maybe also, I think, trying to comment on like, or maybe there is obviously there's that, there's always that sort of threat of something possibly going wrong, you know what I mean? Or that fear of like, just white people coming and doing something, you know what I mean? It's interesting mm. how you hear the siren so much in the background. Yes, exactly. And like, I definitely think that was intentional, you know? 
Um, the presence of the police, the pit, though, because the car literally always outside. But I thought that was quite clever looking back because it just puts you in their mind. Because, you know, being black in 70s Britain. Um, was it 70s? I thought it was 80s. I think it's 70s. I think it's right. 70s. Just from the oh, I know nothing about time or anything. So, yeah. You could tell it was in the past. Yeah. There we we don't know. It could have been a really annoying, like, retro party kind of thing. They, but it would have, they would have done a very good job. And in, and in yeah. many ways, they did do a good job because it is a retro party because it was all acted. But anyway, um, yes. Oh, well, it really gets to the meta nature of art. But then again, would it really be a... What if we get into the concept of art being real? Would it have really been a retro party? Or would the actors and crew have, from making the film, travelled back essentially to the 1970s by inhabiting to, by inhabiting their characters yes no i don't think so but i wanted to say but what if they did sigil magic before it started you're not you're not gonna get to say that Arthur. sorry i'll <laughs> shut up no it is an interesting point um but i think having those you know police car parking outside it makes you as a viewer nervous but it also puts you in their position where they're just trying to you know, focus on the party like we in a way want to focus on it because it's drawn our attention and then you yeah have the police cars and whenever right. i'm pretty sure whenever the cds get changed almost a lot of the songs have cds man alive. jay prefers to clean a crisp sound of explaining <laughs> what the vinyls are <laughs> of annoyingly explaining what the vinyls are my i think now you are getting time periods mixed up um but yes records no matter yeah. Uh, yeah, MP3 downloads. That's what you're getting. Whatever the a lot of the songs in it, they have sound effects that sound like police sirens. You know what I mean? And that first, you're like, oh fuck! And then as you more get and you kind of get more used to. It. And then the final one, I think you really felt like, oh yeah, I kind of like. I mean, far be it from me to tell Steve McQueen how to make a film for a number of reasons, um, but. I kind of like how it doesn't, you know, I feel a more American film or like, or maybe some more kind of a lot of films. I almost wonder, is like, is this film going to end with like the police coming in and like being everyone up and someone getting killed and stuff? Yeah. And, you know, even if that happened, it's still like a show, I wouldn't necessarily be like, oh, I don't think you should have done that. But I think it's kind of, what? I want to word this without making this about me. As in the filmmaker, if the film ended shit, oh, fucking oh. hell. <laughs> if the film ended... Okay. I didn't realise what the, he said, but anyway, carry on, James. If the film ended like that, I would have been like... That would have been maybe a fair enough way to end the film. Because, you know, it's like, let's not... You know, it's, but I kind of like... A, a very shocking, powerful way to end the film. Yeah. I don't think it yes, would have been. and it wouldn't necessarily be wrong to reality. But to me, it's sort of like... You know, it's that kind of discussion about how... Um, kind of all films, you know, like, you know, I've heard that term a lot from a lot of different reviewers and critics and stuff like that. It's sort of like art only, black art only really focuses on black tragedy. I mean, the, the good example, like there was that tweet recently from Zendaya, wasn't it? That was like, I want to make a film about the love between two black girls. And, you know, generally write about that love because as a the black community often doesn't get that where they can just write about you know that um or can write I make a story? Story. would it be okay if i finish this yes, or do you think it's a segue sorry i know it's a long-winded point so jay feel free to mute me at any point don't actually um but like you know what i mean a lot of uh, and it's sort of like it's kind of nice that while it doesn't whitewash kind of the history of that it is sort of and it does show you know terrible stuff it does kind of hint towards or even show some bad stuff that can happen at parties um Tell me just about a black community having a good time, you know, and black love and black friendship, which uh, I'm wondering, should I use that word? Because I know a lot of people of colour do use that term, talk about the importance of showing that because I'm white. So. We'll think about that in the edit if we want to, um, anyway, but like showing the love of a black community and the friendships within that and the romances within that, you know, and it's sort of like, it's kind of good. I think a lot of people do say it's good to kind of show that, to not just show black people's lives as constantly a tragedy you know and I, I like I like that and once again I just keep on going to this like 
I've made two kind of final points around this. I remember as soon as they were, as the two girls were on the bus, I don't remember a lot of their names. I'm always bad with characters' names. I really like, at first thing I thought was like, oh, another film set in the 80s about a subculture or a party or something. You know what I mean? And then what I thought, I guess it was 70s, but that's why I thought I got the time to mix up. But then the moment I thought that, I realised, wait a minute, like, all of those films are about white people in the 80s, so fair enough. You know, I am getting a bit tired on make without sounding over dramatic. So I am getting a bit tired of art's complete reliance on the past of lately and kind of this constant like, oh, remember those days, remember those days. Like, can we think about the future or the here or now or make something new? But in this case, it sort of felt more like without sounding over dramatic art, like this might help kind of reclaim or, you know, or bring back to memory a black culture. You know what I mean? Not a black, yes. like moments of black history that aren't presented in art nearly as much as white history, you know? Um, yeah. I, and I, I quite like that. And I'd say once again, I keep going to this. I just like how the film just ends with her getting up, up at bed at the end. You know, it's like, there's not any like true moments of like, I know where this character's completely going. You just get these little flashes into their life and stuff. So, and I think it's more, it's more a film talking about a time and a place and maybe those feelings you get at the party. Like I really did get those feelings of like, man, I want to go to a party and stuff, you know, and all of that. Um, it's more about that than any of that. And I keep on going back to like what a Hollywood film would be about. And first of all, it would be all white people probably. And it'd be like, this party is the day of our life. And there'd be all these sort of like massive monologue moments, you know? Are you uh, based and, and confused? Oh, fuck that film. Don't, that's, that's, why, that's why I was annoyed when you brought the Richard Linkerton. Fuck him. Fuck that film. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I think you made some good points there. I think. Yes, definitely... and I'll let you make yours. Sorry. That's all right. Um, I agree certainly with what you were saying about um, the fact the fact that a lot of films portraying black people, especially in the past, uh, to do civil rights movements and stuff, they are often so intertwined intertwined with tragedy, and that you can almost expect the i don't know the police raid or something bad to happen someone to get killed you know some act of racism that ends in a death because that's what we're used to um consuming like loads of these films and you know that film hints at that with the um the police cars um but i'd argue there's a lot of stuff going on with the violence towards women as well that is also intertwined with it, especially since the two yeah. protagonists are um women you know young women um but that definitely it's interesting Steve McQueen making a film like 12 Years a Slave, which so adheres to that and is, I've never seen it, but you know. Um, it's a great film, but it's- um, I think it's very watch. sobering watch. Um, yeah. As you were saying, what Zendaya's tweet about um, making a film where people just- About the love, about the know, love between like, two black girls. They get the same treatment as other people where nothing bad has to happen, you know, just because there's black people in the film and it's set in a certain time or it's trying to address this issue. And I think, yeah, what Steve McQueen did here was exactly that, where he just portrayed a community getting together. And I think that's its strongest point. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think I might want to go on to some of Steve McQueen's other work to talk about this as a whole. I think, yeah, like obviously, I think, I think what's great about Steve McQueen is like, not great because you know any filmmaker can make what they want about it and i wouldn't be against it. what's interesting about him is obviously i think his most famous one is 12 years a slave and obviously that's a film he's definitely a filmmaker not afraid to talking about race and you know isn't averse to it and does it quite well but like give me a sec like you know what's interesting is his first two films is hunger which is definitely a deeply political film but it's about you know white irish um, ira republicans you know in hunger and smell protests and stuff like that and it's you know it's um very different and then the second one is shame which is about a white male sex sex pest as you put it arthur frost was shame um, his second film yes i know wow. right it's, okay. it's, a, it's a fucking phenomenon he's only made four films like proper long 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 films if you don't even, I, I think his next one's a musical or something as well what blitz is a musical? I think he's planning to make a musical. Yeah, 
but, but like that's I think what's cool. interesting is like he definitely can talk about race well, but he's not like he is also just it's interesting that he made those he can two write, he, you know it's it's I think it's I'm trying to think I don't I want to be careful how I word this you know about Sony obviously if he wants to whatever he wants to end up doing his career first of all, so I don't want to talk as if I have owned but I think it's interesting how he has made films that have nothing to do about race you know what I mean and stuff like that you know it's kind of nice that there's a black director but like it's not like all his films are about race so he has to be pigeonholed into writing black tragedy I don't know I guess I went going into this film that was honestly what I kind of thought about like of course his most famous work is 12 Years a Slave which is a film about you know the horrific systemic treatment of uh, black people but like I think he's also just great at doing films that aren't quite as depressing and have more moments of humanity and you know what I mean because shame can be quite a fucking depressing film but there is such moments of humanity there and just lightness you know and I think I'm not sure if I'm running on a tangent I just I, I, I reckon know, it, I, I'm sure shame I struggle to see that um the humanity. oh you've got to it's 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 one of my favorite films but I, I know uh, I'm not saying it's bad I'm just saying that I thought it was equally as bleak as um well I haven't seen oh, it so I can't say but um, I thought there were moments of humanity, but then it just quickly descended back into um, darkness. Yeah, true, fair enough. Um, I can I see know, I why you I... started with, with those two, though, because if you're a filmmaker, especially a black filmmaker, and it was the was it the early 2000s that Hunger it's came out? The first film was like 2008, I believe. Yeah, it's still a time... We haven't when... even had him for... Two, we've only had him for just about a decade the, um... as a filmmaker. The industry, it still isn't um, a great place to be a minority, but um, to be entering your first film, uh, let's say he was to approach filmmaking with 12 Years a Slave, which is a really quite long film about a very bleak subject. Um, I don't reckon that many people would have been too interesting getting it off the ground, especially um, the producers who were making the, the biggest films around that time. So I think once he realised, oh yeah, I've, I've got this voice now, I can use it. That's when he started to do things like 12 Years a Slave. That's why we got small acts when we did. And I think the way he, the way he does make comments on society is really clever because he could have made uh, five TV films about problems that we have now about modern day characters, and that would have, it probably would have been just as good. But the fact that it's all in the past reveals more about history, exposes history, uh, black history, to modern audiences, um, a lot of whom will be white, like us watching. But we also yeah. get to see that the issues that are still prevalent today have been since ages. And, and many, many people of colour have grown up with that as their everyday life. And that's, that's why I love Small Axe, because it is such a powerful thing. You recognise so much of the hurt that's going on in the people who you know in, in the people who aren't privileged enough to be able to walk around anywhere thinking I'm not going to get attacked because of the colour of my skin. It's phenomenal. Yeah. yeah, I think definitely just to reiterate the point that what's so good about this film is that all that stuff is still there, that um, the depth of it being a landscape where the characters feel ill at ease, but it doesn't take centre stage that they still find this kind of safe haven in a way. I love that yeah. scene where they start dancing really vigorously and sort of let loose. Yeah. Um, to me, that's like a scene of complete freedom that is you know, quite heartwarming when you think that, you know, outside they're sort of uh, catcalled by those, uh, those gang of... Um, white men um has happened to that um, one of the main uh women in the film i think um martha 
or um, yeah. yeah, Patty. Um, and then you know he goes to the workshop at the end, and he's patronised by his boss. Um, and it's just those glimpses of outside life that emphasise that one location as something great. But then it's just interesting as well how there's still that predation going on with the men, but then they've also got each other's backs. There's you know they're still in fighting as well. Oh yeah, yeah. definitely. It's not um, it's not a whitewashed as in like you know these are real people with conflicts with each other. You know, I mean, I think what's kind of shown in the film is um, you know, there's a shared understanding of what could happen to them. So if there is a moment where one, like I think a, a real good example of that is like the um, the uh, the basically the guy is he the it's not bodyguards, not bouncer. Is that the quite you know the guy at the door letting people yeah. in? You know, mm. and of course at first he kind of seems maybe a bit sexist. You know, I mean, I mean to be fair, he lets the two girls in for free, but he is kind of eyeing them up, you know, a bit. And then also he can be a bit rude to some people, like, nah, get out and stuff like that. But then of course there's that scene where Martha walks out and those men are harassing her, and you know she just bumps into him and walks off, and he's basically there to stay, you know, get away, you know. Or of mm. course, when there was Martha's cousin, they're having that real fight. But then I think it's basically you see, who was it? Was it the police or was it just random white people in the car? I think it was the police that stopped outside. Yeah, and he instantly just grabs him and lets him in, you know? And I think there's that, I like moments like that, you know? Because that is kind of that showed kind of thing. And, you know, Some I like that it's not... Worse than others. Yeah, there's a level of, obviously, I think it shows that level as a community, they kind of understand that. I don't know. Um, I, yeah. I think it, it was, I liked that there was that sense of community, but I also appreciated that there was, as Arthur mentioned, the hostility um, within this safe haven that they developed. And although it was really unpleasant, I thought it was very powerful to include that moment where, I can't remember her name again, where um, she was taken advantage of um, and assaulted because that it's it's like a moment of hey look you on the outside of this I think as white people a lot of the time we think I think we're in it we're in a society where we do just think of black and white whites all they all get along and, and blacks all get along and that, and that's not how it is there there are problems. Every community has in, in terrible people yeah and we need to all just come together and solve these problems regardless of what we look like it is just i think that's the problem as well it's like you know all the bigotry and isms of the world they've all kind of like they're trying to penetrate themselves for all of society and they're spread you know because i think the thing is like you know there's that whole idea that like Often men are, there's that kind of, I'm not sure, it may simplify the issue into a little way, but there's sort of the attitude of, you know, like, men are sexist because it's sort of like, it's such a simplification of them. But like, when I was reading De Beauvoir, like, one of the things she said is, like, men are sexist in the same way they're, they're, they're racist. Or the reason is because no matter on their worst day, they can say, at least I'm not a woman, you mm. know? And it's always like, it gives them that power, it gives them that sense of stuff like that, you know? And it's sort of like, you know, that's that point of, like, misogyny spreads itself to all communities even the downtrodden communities yeah and so you will see it in all of that you know what i mean the issue of because it's you know if this is i'm not sure if this is too plain but it's all about that thing of like yeah you know you will find misogyny within any community even communities of those you know people being screwed over like that you know what i mean by similar forces that screw over women i know screw over is such yeah. a but like, you know, it's that thing of like, if everyone just realized like what we all have facing against us, like we would do way better instead if we weren't buying into what was being spread. And I mean, I mean, there's even that thing of like, you know, um, you know, I've seen like white middle-class people sort of or like even white middle nearing lower class people sort of say sort of stuff like that. And it's sort of like, you have more in common with these people than you do the people you're talking about, like your your friend, 
you know, like, fuck it, I'll say it, say it is. You know, I mean, like, I was like, grandma was over once and she was just like, you know, they, them, when talking about the protests and stuff like that. And then with, you know, Tories and Boris Johnson, like, wow, I think he means his best. Like, talk about, like, it's a mate that they know. And it's sort of that thing of, like, you know, if we... I'm not sure if I'm making any sense, but it's sort of like, you know what I mean? It's sort of like that thing of, like, if we just... If we just knew what was causing a lot of our issues, we just focused on truth was causing that and didn't let these... I'm so dumb. So misunderstand the issue, but it's like those things. That if we can notice that these categorize, if people can be aware of these systems and these things and these like falsehoods create to create, you know, divisiveness within groups. It's like we could deal with a lot of our issues. What issues that are screwing us all over? You know, some way worse than others. Like you know, what I mean, obviously, I'm not going to act like everyone's being screwed over by uh, you know every working class person's being or is being screwed over by politics therefore it's all the same obviously there's dimensions of it but it's like you know do you know what i mean i'm gonna show up now but you get what i'm saying yes we do and i think that um it's interesting as you were saying that there are these different levels to um the way that people are mistreated uh but I don't know. It's 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 it can be easy to get cynical about it and think that even the downtrodden um, step down on those below them. But at the same time, what I think I was going to say was that there are lots of protectors in that environment as well. Oh, I don't yeah. think the film's saying that. I think the film's showing that within any not as an excuse for it, but often within any community, you will find terrible people because you know misogyny. Will sp- can spread in any group, you know. Yes, but at the same time, yes, any group. Um, but this is like the dynamics of a party. There's lots of this yeah. stuff that, even though it's very far away from me, and this is part of why the film is so good. I can relate to it. I have been to some parties, and sadly, you know, sometimes it's. Um, can be like that with the dynamic between um, the the genders and stuff. Um, but also, there were so many moments that were very wholesome. I think there was an interesting focus on the um, the dancing that got very intimate as well, and interesting to see how. Um, I'm not sure what her name was because she wasn't at the forefront as much. But um, the uh, should we say? Uh, immoral uh, guy at the party who um, was first introduced with that uh, big hat on his, his head. And his the rapist. Head. Yes, the that's, rapist. That's, yeah. that's the, let's that's not just... beat around the bush. Um, and uh, he was oogling her while she was dancing with another man. And, you know, it started off consensual in that she decided to dance with him. And in, it was being portrayed in the same way as all those other romantic dances, um, yeah. you know, very consensual. Um, but then um, I almost thought that uh, once Martha went out there and caught them, that she had misinterpreted what she was hearing and there was going to be a bit of conflict there. Um, it was very interesting that Steve McQueen um, framed it like that. And I think that... Until you saw it, you didn't know where it was I got that same thing where you know there was the scene where just before she said where are you taking me I more thought it like I couldn't quite read if that was like he was planning to do that without consent or it was more like naturally growing of like hey can't you you know what I mean and I think that's partly the point maybe it's also like that's the point when you're in a pot maybe that's the point like maybe when you're meeting someone like that and it's sort of developing it's sort of like you don't know where it's going to go you know and that yeah. sense of like oh this could be a nice kind of just casual hangout, but maybe in a party, you know, maybe more if you're a woman, probably more if you're a woman, there's that threat of like, could this turn? Anyway, sorry, I don't want to interrupt you. I was just thinking. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it's a good point. Until I saw that, I, you know, yeah. I didn't know. And obviously like, I want to be careful how I want to wear this because obviously it's sort of like, I think that character throughout the film, he was being quite creepy to them and that would be hints towards it. But like the scene that's shown 
before you know until the next moment where you see it actually happening like i think what's kind of interesting about that scene is it isn't so obvious i think for the there is this thing of like you know where are you taking me at least i didn't quite get if that was read as a like in a sort of like of like he was planning to do something against their will or if like it was more just like it was naturally growing that way you know what i mean and i think yeah. Maybe that works because maybe when you're maybe when you're in a party and stuff like that, maybe when you just meet someone, that can be that kind of scary situation where it's sort of like, even if it turns out to be fine, you know, it can sometimes be like, you know, hey, do you want to? I think we probably will have that, haven't we? Where like for the most part you think it's fine, but there's that small little nagging part of your mind of like, oh, could this head somewhere? You know what I mean? Bad or like, you know, should I keep my wits with me? What personally? Um. I, maybe I'm just more a paranoid guy. I'm, I don't have anxiety, so that's maybe. But like, I don't know. Don't you just feel like even in very casual, natural interactions, there's maybe sometimes that a bit in your mind here and there if you've been hanging out, hanging out with someone for a while? Yeah. I think if you don't know someone, this just goes in any sort of scenario, not necessarily if you're about to get off with them. Um, oh, yeah, sorry. Control. I didn't mean in that sense. Sorry. I, I, I didn't mean just in a sense like that. I just meant, yeah, I feel like at a party. If you're just interacting with anyone you know you haven't met before in a situation, you know, you've probably had a few, I don't know. Yeah. A few drinks, yes. Uh, uh, yeah, so I, I'm not sure. Um, that's what I more just meant. Like, I feel in a lot of big social situations, you know, often, you know, sometimes you can just be a little worried of, like, not like in a full-on, but, you know, just that nagging bit of your mind maybe worries about that or stuff like that. That can always be that little anxiety. And in the same way that Orance's mind was nagged at by uh, that, and then, because we thought this guy is not treating women uh, well. Yeah. Yeah, we had that with Martha, the way he sort of tried to follow her into the toilet. Yeah. Uh, but then... I mean, the thing with the film is, develop, like... Yeah, you but kind of... it developed between um, the two of them... Um, those that the second pairing and then we're almost tricked into thinking oh okay this is consensual but then yeah of course anyway sorry James what are you going to say no yeah I guess the thing for me is also the way the film flows though it doesn't really linger a moment so I almost I kind of forgot about that scene at that point and then afterwards I remembered oh of course that was such a hint to what you know what I mean but like you know the film feels almost kind of like just a, not in a criticism but like a scene of moments you know what I mean hmm. um, I because that's a very sorry you go on yeah sorry um i just remember what i was going to say was um that in a film from the 70s it would so not have been portrayed like this the idea that you can film a man and a woman um you know being sexually intimate with each other and then they you know it progresses further and then suddenly it's revealed that the man is raping the woman the fact that there can be levels of consent is actually you don't see that a lot in the. Was cinema. there consent? I'm trying to remember the film. Was there consensual interaction shown in the film? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, because they were checking each other out. Um, oh, you're talking all about the thing. same. You're talking all about the the same characters. How it sort of it makes a difference between. You're talking about the same characters. How at first it seemed like it was going to be consensual, then it was the reveal that he was. And then it was the when uh, Martha found them and he had her pinned on the ground. Right. Okay. And the fact you, that you can the film makes a that. distinction. Yeah. Between it, can, mm, it can be a passive sort of scene, um, but then I don't know. It's just so many films that you've seen in the past where the woman says no, and then it's like, oh, she really means yes. I mean, um, that happens in. Um, yeah. I, I mean, you know. Um, Going, going like I mean, I've been rewatching a lot of blockbusters lately, and you see that. I mean, you see them in all, but you see that so much in them. Like even films I love, like you know, Star Wars. Like Han constantly, basically calls Leia a bitch, and then oh, she yeah. loves him. I get he loves his role. Or like you know, literally in Rocky. Because the script says so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, you can just tell when a romance is written by a man, can't you? Or like yeah, you definitely can. Except for example, I think it's better because. It's just, I don't know, I thought it was striking yeah. that there was, um, that rather than uh, the woman saying no and then saying yes, it's like, you know, the man has to, you know, fulfill his quest of also, you know, getting the woman. 
this time there was you know it was yes and then no and that's a more, much more modern picture of I, I definitely agree I mean to be fair I'm not sure if she ever quite says yes but hmm. I definitely know what you mean where like when she's interacting with him I, I think the scene could very much be read as like you know she does in some sense desire uh, you know to have sex with this guy like is sexually interested in him of course it's like obviously you know which i hope any listener is getting it's you know consent is in a binary of yes or no you know what i mean it's it can be taken back at any moment or it's like you can be interested in it but then it's like yeah i know what you mean like it is clearly like is am i using this? what's that term right you know like the madonna whore complex you know the mm-hmm. idea that women are either mothers or like something for sexual pleasure it, yeah. yeah i feel like maybe you could say yeah that's kind of maybe how hollywood generally presents that whenever there's a scene where a woman doesn't want sex it's sort of like it must be because she's almost like asexual do you know what i mean yes the fact that yeah i know what you're saying and um i, I yeah that's my point is that this film seems to be a more um mature a portrait of that yeah yeah, yeah. Like um, in so many ways, um, in the issues, and it takes a very modern standpoint and applies it to the, you know this just one party in the eighties, sorry seventies. Mm. Yeah. Um, but shall we wrap up now? I think or I might have one, have one point more thing I might want to discuss. To be um, fair, um, and I know Steve McQueen has been slightly criticised for this before which is sort of like possibly problematic representations of sexuality and relationship to trauma. Oh yeah, shame is a tricky one, I'm, yeah. Yeah, 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 you know the scene I'm talking about. Um, the, here's the funniest thing was, for whatever reason I was thinking about, I was thinking about this just before I watched the film and this came back to mind. You know in Birdman, where there's that scene where um, one of the, Edward Norton, you know, assaults his partner. And then right after that, a character that she barely, she barely has any scenes where they just make out. Like, um, it's like, I remember he's got a boner on stage and tries to have sex with her for real. Yeah, and it's like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he signed the petition. Oh come on! Oh, Can you go one episode without? It's very that. important. I have. I've gone several, and that was all the respite you'll ever get. Anyway, like. <sighs> You know, talking as a, you know, I'm not a lesbian, as I've stated before, <laughs> but I am. What? Wait, why just state that every episode, please? Yeah, sure. You've got uh, a like lesbian. I am a, what? I'm not a, I'm not oh. a lesbian. Okay. But I am a queer, you know, man, so I think I have some relation to it. It's obviously gay and bisexual men's problems. It's not the same as lesbians. So, but basically going in terms of clearing up that you're not a lesbian, then. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) As far as we know. Um, But, yeah. Um, But, like, you know, I'm queer, so I can, think, relate to this subject a bit. I have more on, I I have more on this, I think I have more of a right to talk about this than any other issue I've talked today on. Um, So I feel like, but like, I think there can often be a thing in films where it may even be meant as empowering, but I feel like, queerness can be seen as a result or a response to trauma you know what i mean like i re- i'm not nearly as bad as the birdman scene but like out of no and it almost it almost felt it felt quite male gazy in the birdman film like right after an assault these two random female characters had no interaction kiss and stuff like that and then it's almost played for comedy because edward norton's character just comes bursting in and then she throws something out it's almost presented i always find scenes like that weird anyway because i'm sort of like who knows? I don't know for sure. I, there probably are some people that might respond to like that because obviously there's a difference between um, consensual, non-consensual, romantic interactions. But whenever I see those in films, regardless of the sex of either the characters, I always find it weird when, like, right after an assault, a character will quickly, you know, kind of not quick, will kind of like a scene quite close that will be shown of them making out or something or kissing or something like that. Maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like, especially if it's someone you. You're not dating right now, or haven't dated before. Like it feels weird to me that you'd be so quick to go into something new. But maybe I'm talking of an experience that isn't mine. Maybe I should shut the fuck up on that. But to me, it's sort of like obviously I'm not saying male oppression doesn't play a part within what affects 
queer women but like it can feel to me that a scene like that could almost be read as in like she does that in response to the assault you know what I mean that like which a you could feel like builds into two really bad ideas which is like a that like queer lesbianism is like a response to um men you know an active response to it and a that being queer is interconnected with trauma you know and i feel like he also does that a bit in shame and i know it could be read tons of other ways and i know it can be seen as empowering and obviously i know that it could be maybe this thing could be read more as metaphorical because you know obviously yeah i don't know um to me, I just, the one thing is, I feel like that scene could be read maybe more as a linking being queer with trauma and once again, linking it more in response to male abuse. But that's just my reading. Maybe I'm, you know. Um, this I is think, Birdman, right? No, no, no. This is Small Axe. Small Axe has. Okay, we're it. back. Yeah. Did you uh, get I was talking about Small Axe? I saw, I got a bit mixed up when if you were I'm talking saying, about. Birdman Birdman. did that. Oh, oh, this scene where she kisses her friend. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Um, And I think the difference is Birdman, like these are characters that have no interaction and they really, it's quite a long scene. And like, I feel like almost music is playing to be like, oh, how crazy. Lesbian representation, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. And I'd also say, I, 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 yeah, I don't know. I, it's, it's a showing of a nice intimate moment, you know. I guess yeah, to me it's more like it's it's the scene it's the scene it's her final scene and it's her scene right off which isn't a bad thing that's so far but it's this I think the scene the only scene it's the scene it's her home it's her only scene after the um you know yeah. assault and I think definitely you will be considering it in that context and to me just repeating it again it's like it can maybe build into the stereotypes that queerness comes from trauma and once again is sort of a response to men you know um but you know it's again that thing of like it can be read many ways and if people find power in it that's good um and i'm not even saying i feel that way i just feel like maybe it can be read that way mm. sorry am i saying yeah, really funny get to the bottom of it mm. <laughs> <laughs> you see in so many times throughout the episode you have been looking at like what am i saying am i just saying like the dumbest well, the thing is, when I see Jay laugh, I also <laughs> it sets me off for some reason. I don't I'm know sorry. why. <laughs> yeah, I'm just you know I I laugh at nothing because I'm a goddamn professional with this podcast. You laugh so, at anything. Anyway, back nothing, nothing is funny. <laughs> yeah, the idea of nothing. <laughs> yeah, just just put me in a, like vacuous like just throw me in a black hole and just put me in an ever expanding continuous infinite like black void of nothingness where no and on sound that can escape. Yeah, and, and I'll bombshell. just be laughing. And on that bombshell, on that bombshell, this episode of Top Gear. Oh, I'm amazed he started watching Top Gear. Do you think I should defriend him? Who? I'm amazed he started watching Top Gear. Do you think I should defriend him? Alan Mays. Who? Is it? Is it me, Jay, or is it them? A mate. Yeah. A mate, a mate, a mate, a mate that stopped to watch. A, a friend, a companion, a jolly you know, old chap, an acquaintance. Jay wears a hat. What? Jay wears a hat. And okay, Jay, I think you should mute him. And you should mute him and Some we should say, take over. Some say he's never been inside a supermarket. Others say... He's never been outside his room. We call him the stick. Boom, 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 boom. Ah, oh, top gear, guys. Anyway, uh, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, see you next week. Bye. Whoa. Wait, we've got to mention the episode. Yeah, we've got to talk about our awesome, cool, brilliant next week. Next time, not next week. Two weeks' time. Next season on Doctor Who. Next time on the Sound of Vision podcast. Starring Jay. And Jay's really the only one we can be sure is going to be there. Yeah. Um, Yes, because... Yep. I will be there because I've chosen not one, 
but two films for the first time ever. We're going to be looking at two films in one episode. Um, those films are Joanna Hogg's The Souvenir, parts one and two. Um, no, don't you mean The Souvenir? Oh, yeah, yeah, as you had been calling it for however long. Um, but two yeah, years. there's at the time of recording, Souvenir Part 1 is on iPlayer and 2 is in cinemas at the moment. So do check them out and do tune back in next week. Mm. On the I mean, it's good as Star Wars. Like. Yeah, and they are so much better. They're, they're two of the best films that have ever been made, in my opinion. But um, okay. we'll, get, we'll get on to that. But there's the week. souvenir blow up the Death Star. Oh, come on. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> Bye. Because the souvenir. Off, can you do a James Stewart impression as a goodbye? Oh. Mitch, goodbye. This episode of the Sound of Vision podcast was edited by J. Taylor Jones.